Welcome to the SLP Happy Hour Podcast. We are a podcast that discusses the reality of being a working SLP with a dash of an SLP happy hour thrown in. Our goal is to help you find more happiness in your life and career. And today we're discussing adoption. And we're getting personal by talking about me, my story, where I am in the adoption process, and what's next. I'm Sarah. And I'm Sari. And before we get started, a few quick announcements. We love making freebies for you. And this month we have a special freebie, which is 15 ways to take better care of yourself this month. And you can get access to all of our freebies through the Freebies Vault just by signing up for our newsletter at www.slphappyhour.com newsletter. Some other fun things we already have hanging out in the vault are 20 cause and effect toys that you can use for toddlers with ASD, 30 social media prompts for SLP bosses, and our workbook about building your SLP community and friendships with a step-by-step guide. And if you like the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and rate and review us. About those reviews, uh, we talk about it because it's so important. It helps like-minded SLPs Mm -hmm. find the podcast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, they will promote and share and recommend shows with more downloads and reviews. So we'd love to grow as a podcast, and we need your help doing that. If you do review us on Apple Podcasts, you are one half of one percentage point of our total listeners. So that's serious. So we really want to let you know that if you've taken the time to write up, you know, what the podcast is about and what it means to you, um, we really appreciate you and it makes a huge difference for us. So thank you for being that less than 1% of our listeners. Mm -hmm. We really appreciate you and the time that you took to do that. And thank you for helping us keep this podcast going. And before we get to today's topic, we do have a few quick segments prepared and first is what's up what's down that's right and this segment is one that we've been doing since the very beginning where we share things that are going well and things that are a little bit challenging in our work or in our home life right now and this week I am what's down and Sarah's what's up so I'm gonna start and we're gonna end with the happy thought at the end of this segment so for me what's down this week is really kind of a bittersweet Thing. Uh, what is happening for me at this when this episode comes out, it's going to be the very tail end of my school year. Right now, I'm already it, towards the end of my school year, but uh, there will be some changes that are going to take place for me next school year regarding my placement. They're moving a new program to the elementary school that I serve, and that means that one of the schools that I'm currently serving will no longer be on my caseload. And while there's good things and bad things that go along with that, I'm just kind of mourning the goodbye process and not realizing that I'm not going to be seeing the students that I've been working with since my CF year um, anymore next year. I'm really going to miss these kiddos. They're all fantastic students, and uh, I hope that I'll still see them in the future. But I'm just today I'm just kind of sad, and I'm just kind of going through this morning process of saying goodbye yeah and have how long have you been working with these students two years that's a long time Mm -hmm. yeah and uh it's it's hard to walk away too because it's it's at the beginning of next year you'll probably be so you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the beginning of the school year kind of like right hits you like cold ice water (laughs) to the face you just jump deep in Uh but this point at which you know something is about to end can be so bittersweet yep 
And like for my school district, um, our last week of speech therapy, our last day of speech therapy will be the 31st. So I really only have just a couple more sessions with these students. So it's, it's sad. It is sad to say goodbye and, and realize that I won't be working with them as much anymore. Hopefully I'll still see them around though. But it is bittersweet because mm-hmm. it's also, you really, uh, you know, whenever you say goodbye to a placement or a school, it's like you really appreciate the time you have with, with your students because you know that it's ending. And Yeah, it's true. It's a mix of emotions, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's hard. Absolutely. All right, bring us up, Sarah. What's your what's up this week? This is a what's up and kind of a little hack, which is something that I do all the time, which is to send encouraging um, text messages that are voice memos to mm. people. That's uh, definitely a what's up. I know that I've gotten a couple from you and um, they've made me cry, but always in a good way because they're so uplifting. (laughs) Yeah, I I think that's like my signature move. So maybe that's like my only trick in my bag of tricks, but that is something I do. So I would say if you don't know how to send um, a text message that's an audio message, um, it doesn't, for at least on my, I have an Android phone, but it's, it's not it's kind of tricky to figure out. There's a lot of like scrolling down to figure out how to do it because if you just hit the microphone, you know, right near the open box, it's going to dictate and type out what you say. So, um, but actually getting someone who they can hear your voice, they can hear a message of encouragement has really helped kind of snap me out of times when I'm like, ah, things aren't going well. (laughs) Um, And sort of connect and appreciate someone in a way that's super easy, but still really personal. Mm Mm-hmm. Actually, it's funny. It's like you just have this like psychic moment where you know when I need these and I'll open them up and I'll be like, oh my gosh, how did she know that I needed this today? They're just amazing. They're just amazing. You're good at it. But I guess, well, and when you see a voice memo, you always know what it is. Like, it's the only voice memo I send, right? So you know it's not like, hey, Sarah, can you check our Facebook page? Like, you know that it's like, Hi, Sari. You're doing a great job. I think you're wonderful, right? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they're they're gonna be good if it's a yeah, if it's a voice memo for me, it's gonna be it's gonna be good, uh, or at least I try. So uh, it's always good. Next up, we wanted to share a segment that is sort of an SLP life hack, and this mm-hmm. is a new segment for us. Right. It's gonna be. Uh segment where we're going to talk about things that will improve your quality of life in general. And we might talk about work, but we also are going to talk about home life, exercise, eating right. It's kind of a space for us to just give some general tips to improve your life overall. And today we are going to be talking about some home life strategies because we've been kind of neglecting that a little bit in our more recent episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, home life is a a huge part of our day-to-day life and we haven't talked about it much in the podcast and so again these are tips they're things that worked for us Mm -hmm. we are not experts on self-care um we actually find self-care really difficult Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not very intuitive which is why we need to talk about it and practice it so when we find things that are like hey this worked for us it's something simple it's something easier it added to our happiness at home we're just going to share it with you and that's what this segment is about Right. So the tip today is for me, and it's it's something that I've always known has helped, but kind of forgot for a period of time and just recently integrated back into my uh, my routine. 
So, uh, and it's taking walks. And I've always known that taking walks is something that I benefit from in so many ways. I used to take walks during my lunch breaks at work. I used to take morning walks with a neighbor and would feel so re-energized re during the day, more focused when I took those lunch walks going back to work. And right now, the way my schedule's set up, it's turned into evening walks with my husband. And I kind of just bulleted five things that I've really gotten out of putting this into my routine. The first one, first and foremost, is just that extra time for connection with my husband. And, I, and I'm sure that there are people out there who can relate. During a busy week, you just get into this routine of work, go home, make dinner, clean, do whatever you need to do. And then a lot of time, and I feel guilty admitting this, but then it's turn on a screen and completely tune out. And for me and my husband, he's a big sports guy, so he will be watching sports and I'll be doing something else that involves a screen. Maybe I'm watching something on Netflix, maybe I'm doing something for the podcast or whatever it is, but we're in completely separate rooms, not interacting, and that's not good. That's not good for a relationship. So this is like scheduling time in and saying, nope, we're not gonna do that. We are going to take walks together and it's just been so good for reconnecting in that way. Number two uh, is kind of just that physical health aspect. Uh, we do, or at least I have that Fitbit thing that everybody talks about. Uh, my husband doesn't have one, but he uses his phone and we, we do try to get those steps in every day. So it is, in general, it's good exercise. It's good for you and I've been experiencing some back pain and the walks have also been really beneficial for helping my back. So there's a whole physical health aspect of taking walks every day that's um, not to be ignored but also if you have your goal like mm -hmm. I can imagine it feels really good when you get those 10,000 steps oh, or whatever yes. your goal is oh, like yes. there's this sense of accomplishment right oh, yes and my Fitbit throws a little firework party which makes <sighs> me feel fantastic when I hit the 10,000 <laughs> that's cool <laughs> um, and so then point number three is well I kind of already touched on this is just separating from the screens and being together with one another and the conversations that come up. Um, I'm learning, I think it's so good for couples and especially if you've been in a long relationship to re-get to know each other because all those stories when you were first courting and first dating, you kind of forget some of those details. So it's important to take that time to reconnect and, and rediscover some of these things that you may have forgotten or maybe you never knew. So I've enjoyed that part of it. I've enjoyed the fresh air. One of my 2019 goals was to get outside more, and this has been a great way to do that. It's beautiful outside right now. The weather's amazing, It's and it just lifts my spirits just being outside, getting that vitamin D. And the last one is uh, the benefit of, of unwinding from my workday or whatever the stress in my life is. It's kind of meditative to just go for a walk, relax your brain, and I have also found that I have been sleeping better mm. after doing this. So all that to say, I recommend taking walks. I, I think if you can integrate it into any time of the day, I don't think it has to be evening, morning, uh, lunch time walks. I just think taking a walk whenever you can is gonna be good for you. Yeah, and I like that you're not putting it off till the weekend. Like a lot of times it's easy to be like, oh, we'll just go on a hike or this because mm -hmm. it's something, it's a little part of your everyday that right. is that fresh air and connection. 
you convinced me. I'm like super into this now. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, so I've been walking just this week because, you know, we're just talking about it on the podcast now, but you've been, you've been sort of talking to me about the walking thing and you, you'd already convinced me. So like, how would you feel about doing a 30 walks in 30 days challenge? Oh, great. So yeah. like every single day we are both committing to go for a walk. It doesn't have to be any certain length um, for 30 days straight. Can we try it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. And we can do some um, pictures on our Instagram stories or whatever. Um, I don't want it to be something where I feel like I have to walk and then have to like share a picture to prove it. But um, you should expect to see more pictures of walks from both of us <laughs> um, coming up soon. If you're a private practice SLP like me, you know you need practice management software. And that's where one of our sponsors for today comes in. Fusion Web Clinic is an all-in-one practice management software designed specifically for pediatric speech therapists, physical therapists, and occupational therapists who need to save time and streamline their practice. With unlimited customer support, free onboarding, and an ever-growing set of features, thousands of therapists across the country use Fusion every day to treat their clients. To learn more and check out Fusion's library of free resources, visit them online at fusionwebclinic.com slash SLP happy hour. As speech-language pathologists, we depend upon good research to serve our clients well. We strive to use evidence-based practice, but how much time do we really have to search for new evidence? Reading research articles is time-consuming. Let the informed SLP save you time by finding the research for you. They search all of the top speech-language pathology journals each month, looking for the articles that are highly relevant to your daily practice. They provide you with plain language summaries of the most clinically applicable research. It's how smart SLPs do EBP. Join the informed SLP at theinformedslp.com slash slphappyhour and enter coupon code SLP Happy Hour at checkout for 50% off of your first three months. And now on to today's hot topic, which is adoption. And Sarah, I know that you have been feeling a little nervous about recording this one, and I think it's one that our listeners are really just going to love because they'll get a chance to hear something that has been going on in your personal life for actually quite a while now, mm -hmm. which is that you are in the process of adopting a little one. Yes, we are. And we're, we're going to make this um, conversational and personal. And I haven't shared this at all online yet, um, partially because I haven't felt ready, but also because I wanted to share it on the podcast mm -hmm. first, because I really appreciate um, our podcast listeners. So I felt like that was the right place to talk about it first. So it's something that's been in process for a long time. It's uh, been a long road. It's been going on for a while. So the short version is I am adopting. Um, hopefully the adoption will take place in late 2020. It's been a huge process. So in this episode, I'll share my story, how I got to the point that I am today, where I am in the process, and also 
I wanted there to be an education piece so that if you're listening and you're adopting, maybe you feel uh, like I understand what you're going through because I do. Um, Or if you know someone who is adopting, how you can be supportive to them. Mm -hmm. So sorry, I will let you um, take the lead and kind of interview me and um, lead me through just We've we talked about, you know, preparing for the show ahead of time, and I think I'm so deep in the process, it's hard for me to talk about it in, mm-hmm. like, a co- coherent narrative. So um, let's see. Where should we start? Okay. Well, I think to start, why don't you share a little background on what your journey has been like to adoption? All right. So let's see. I don't um, – my husband, Alex, and I uh, don't remember the first time that we – ever talked about adoption because it's been something that we've talked about for a long time. Definitely Mm -hmm. when we were dating, we were already talking about adoption. Uh, so it's, it's been in the back of our minds and, um, for a long time, what was keeping us from adopting was to be honest, the funding, we just couldn't afford it. And so I think I also have talked a lot about money in the past year um, on the podcast and like money being tight. And I've alluded to that a lot. So um, people are probably wondering, like, why is she talking about money all the time? That's why that's where my money's going. And I'm I'm happy about that. But um, it is the reality. Uh, So uh, when we decided that adoption was the route we wanted to go, we researched foster care. We researched domestic infant adoption. And we researched international adoption. And after our research and lots and lots of research, I'm definitely an over-researcher, and talking to people who had done various types of adoptions and also really aligning with our values um, through the process, it was very clear that international adoption was the best fit for us. So again, I I really want to remain open to there are lots of ways to adopt. Mm -hmm. There are lots of ways to grow a family. um, And this is what was best for us. And but I am not saying that this is the best um, way to build your family or the best way to adopt. I don't feel that there is any right way. Um, I just feel like this is the way that is right for our family. So about, I want to say, seven months ago, we started the process. So the first part of the process is called a home study. So during that time, um, there's a tremendous amount of paperwork that needs to be done and sent in. And the end of the home study is what's called a home visit, where a social worker comes to your house and does two things. One is a safety check. And the second is an interview. You're interviewed uh, together. Like in my situation, I'll be interviewed with my husband, Alex, and then separately. And we'll be asked about our parenting styles, but also our lives up until this point, our personalities, what we fight about. I know we'll get asked that. Um, But also our childhoods Mm -hmm. and what it was like for us to uh, grow up in the way that we grew up. So as far as the process, um, what we've been doing for the past six plus months are things like I had to get fingerprinted for the state. I had to get fingerprinted for the FBI. I had to go get comprehensive blood work and then get a doctor's letter that I was healthy. Um, trying to think of, oh, any state that I'd lived in since the age of 18, I had to get a background check um, in each of those states, mm-hmm. just saying that I hadn't you know, abused any children um, let's see what else did I have to get done. Um, I had to write a very, um, 
detailed and kind of emotionally intense personal statement with lots of questions about my background and my own history and my personality and my marriage. And let's see, there, there was lots more, but it's hard to, honestly, it's hard to think of it mm-hmm. right now. So pretty soon, uh, this summer, if all goes well, uh, a social worker will come out to our house. We'll have the inspection and the interview. And at that point, we'll switch things up to the new process, which is the dossier process, um, which is specific to the country of China. So then we will do quite a bit of paperwork with China. So again, best case scenario is late 2020, we would be bringing home a child from China um, into our family. It's something we're really looking forward to. But this process has been so difficult and so intense. And to be honest, that's why I haven't talked about it on the podcast quite yet. Um, One is because it doesn't feel like it's for sure, right? So I don't know. Mm. It feels like the ball could drop at any time. Like something could happen um, like with any of the paperwork or with someone at the adoption agency and it could fall through. So because of that, I've just made made the choice to not talk about it up until now when we're much further along in the process. Mm. So what are or have you experienced that there are some common misconceptions from either that you had about adoption or that others have about what it's like to adopt through your experience? Mm -hmm. I think uh, the expectation is that I'm like super happy and bouncing around all the time. (laughs) And um, I I look forward to doing that when we have a child in our arms. (laughs) But until then, um, it's it's pretty rough. And I think uh, it's been... For me, uh, I've had to do a lot of emotional and deep work that I I hadn't expected um, to just deal with the stress of the process, but also um, just the level of um, you know detail and paperwork that I've been working on for the past six plus months. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned the stack of paperwork involved in the, in the application. And I think just to give people a, a general idea, could you, do you have an estimate of how, like how many sections or how many pieces of, of information you had to submit? So people... Right, right, right. Um, more than 50 pages. Ooh. And some of them were um, multiple visits. So for example, the doctor's visit, I had to go in and get blood work come back and get the results and make sure everything checked out okay and bring a notary, a public notary with me so that the doctor could sign and then the notary could sign. Um, And then I had to go back and get a letter that said I was healthy enough to adopt that was also notarized. So for example, that's just a few pieces of paperwork, but that is hours and hours upon, um, you know, just little fiddly details. Mm Mm-hmm. And one piece that you mentioned uh, to me before was just the personal statement. How long was the personal statement? It was about 25 pages. 25 pages. And they got real personal in there. That was hard. (laughs) I think that was hard for both of us to um, have that level of really personal information and detail um, and kind of send it out to someone that you don't a variety of someone's that you don't know. Yeah. I think one of the lessons I've learned through this process is you really do have to uh, give up 
privacy mm. and give up a sense of control and, you know, let go and let God because, uh, yeah, you can't, you can't control how fast it goes. You can't control what happens. Um, you just have to do your best and, and try to be sort of chill, <laughs> like a little bit chill through the process. What is something that you've learned about yourself through this process? So much. Um, so much. I don't, I don't even know where to start. That's such a good question. I have learned that I'm okay with waiting as long as I get consistent communication from the adoption agency about what to expect. I have learned that um, I think typically people feel like they become mothers when they um, hold their child in their arms. Mm. <laughs> but for me, I, I, I'm already advocating for myself and my child, and I've been doing that for the past six months and it's been really difficult. Mm. Um, right. I yeah. know, I know what your motherhood is, is hard. And, and everyone always says to me, well, you don't really know what that's like until you have a kid. But I know that mom's mom's decisions as moms get constantly questioned mm -hmm. and your decisions through this whole adoption process have been constantly questions in, in a very similar way. And right. So, um, yeah, so our family is, you know, we're building a family in a way that's not particularly traditional. So the estimates are that 2 to 4% of um, families adopt. So that's a very small number. And then in addition to that, we uh, are building a, a multicultural family, right? We are adopting from China. We are adopting a child who, you know, grew up up until the point that we meet him or her um, in another country. Mm -hmm. And there, are, this is all very complex and nuanced. And I think that it's important to um, realize that I don't know it all. I won't know it all. Um, but because things are different, people don't really know how how to understand it or what mm -hmm. to say and so unintentionally I think things are very well intentioned um things come out when you do talk about adoption that are hurtful which is why I've been pretty careful about talking about it online so far right and I think that you are being so brave by talking about it on the podcast today this feels like uh you know you are bearing all and and I really admire you, but there was also this piece that you really wanted to help educate people so they knew how to support mm -hmm. others who uh, may be adopting or um, how to even advocate for themselves if they are adopting. So why don't you share a few of those tips and that you wanted to share and educate our listeners on? Awesome. Yes. And I think, I think one thing I wanted to say is um, like just with the title of the podcast, like and the topic um, that we're adopting, like, yes, we are absolutely excited. Yes, we are looking forward to this. Yes, we have been working towards this for years and years. But I think that um, because there's not a lot of understanding about adoption, I think that um, a lot of times people want me to act excited all the time when I will say this is one of the most difficult things I have ever done mm. emotionally, logistically. Um, personally, and I think uh, 
that that's why it feels vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you just hear like, oh, so-and-so is adopting, that doesn't sound very personal. That doesn't sound very hard. But um, digging deeper, I really wanted to share um, the challenges and the reality. Uh, it will absolutely be worth it, but it is a legitimately very difficult time of life right now. It's it's a hard season. Um, and again, there are lots of ways to grow a family and lots of those ways are really hard and difficult. So even if you haven't adopted and you're listening, um, perhaps growing your own family was really difficult and you can understand some of those feelings that I've been processing through. So um, a few things that I wanted to talk about for the education piece. Um, it's just sort of adoption etiquette I wanted to talk about so that if you have someone in your life who's adopting, you can um, realize that this is a very fragile time mm-hmm. of life. Your heart is just broken open, <laughs> right out for the world to see. Bared all. You've bared all. Yep. Um, People to look at with a microscope. And... Yeah. Um, and and again, because it's not maybe the most popular way of growing a family, um, people aren't quite sure what to say. So. Mm-hmm. Um, while you're feeling vulnerable and while your heart is kind of broken open in your hands in front of you, um, I think that uh, it's a really sensitive time too. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of things that people have said that I would have said um, previous to actually experiencing this that I would not have thought twice about saying um, that now I'm like, oh, um, you probably shouldn't say that. (laughs) Or like, oh, that's going to make it really hard for someone. So here's what we've got. Um, Number one, don't ask people why they're adopting the way they're adopting. Instead, respect their decision. So if someone is adopting from foster care, if someone is adopting, um, you know, a domestic adoption or a domestic infant adoption, if someone is adopting internationally and they share that news with you, don't immediately ask why, because that really puts them in a vulnerable state and a state in which they have to rationalize their feelings and decisions to you. And that's not, you know, as someone who's adopting, that's not my job to educate other people about why that's the best fit for me. Um, so whereas earlier in the process, I felt like I always had to answer that question. Now that I'm, I have more experience and I feel more secure and this has been going on for a while. I just say, you know, because I did a lot of research and this is the best fit for me. Mm-hmm. And then I don't say anything else. So that's really hard to hear. And I would say it is the most common comment that I get when I share that, um, we're adopting mm-hmm. is why would you adopt internationally? Or why wouldn't you just adopt from foster care? Or why wouldn't you just do this or that? And I think that people have um, a preconceived notions, a preconceived notion that a certain type of adoption is maybe easier than others. Um, so just for the world to hear, like, they're all super hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and let's just respect people for uh, choosing whatever is right for them. Absolutely. And if people are curious, like, there's a search engine called Google that you may have heard about where you can learn all about adoption. Um, that's, I would say that's maybe the second thing I want to share is, um, my job is not to, I mean, I do with this podcast want to share a few tips, but it's not my job to educate the world about adoption while I'm also going through this very vulnerable time, but also this really busy time. There's Mm -hmm. a lot going on for Mm -hmm. me right now. Um, so a lot of times 
if you have a lot of questions, uh, I would prefer people to do their own research than for me to feel like it's my responsibility to, you know, tell you all about international adoption, right? Mm -hmm. So what were some of uh, your other tips, though, that you did want to share with our listeners? Don't make assumptions about the process. Don't make assumptions about choices, but also don't make assumptions about how someone is adopting who is adopting is feeling and let them feel however they want to feel. So for the same uh, reason, let's say someone who is pregnant is feeling really, really sick uh, during their pregnancy. Don't expect them to feel happy and healthy all the time. They're going to feel how they're going to feel. Or let's say someone is adopting from foster care and things are really up in the air and they don't know if they're, you know, if the adoption is going to go through. Um, Don't, expect them to be happy all the time let them feel what they're going to feel and for me with international adoption and all of the paperwork pieces and all of the complexity and time and emotion um meet me where I'm at and don't tell me how to feel I think that's the most supportive thing that people can do and thankfully it's something that I really have received from my community and I feel so grateful for that so, Sari, what's something you've learned from just watching me go through this process as someone who's who's really close to me? I've I've learned a lot, to be honest. Um, I I didn't know anything really about what it was like to adopt, and I think one of the biggest things I've just been fascinated by the whole process. But um, one of the biggest things was how big. And how long it took. I had no idea that it would take so long to adopt internationally. And I had no idea all of the paperwork involved. And I also never or it never occurred to me how vulnerable the whole process is because you really are getting looked at with a fine tooth comb, so to speak, because they... These agencies are want to, of course, make sure that this child is going to a safe and good home, mm-hmm. but you have to bear all, literally bear all, and that is so hard. That is so hard. And then, then there's things like we've talked about, like waiting to hear back if they've heard paperwork and the stories you tell yourself in the meantime is mm-hmm. emotionally exhausting. So that has been really interesting for for me to learn about this process and then also heart-wrenching for me as a friend too to to hear about how hard some of these things are but um I just admire your strength through through the whole the whole thing and I think you and Alex are going to be amazing parents um so um looking forward to 2020 along with you yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> Let's just fast forward through all the hard stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I hope that uh, you learned something new or found this show interesting as we got a lot more personal than at least I'm used to and <laughs> talked about my adoption story. Sarah, I know that this topic was something that took a lot of courage to talk about on a public podcast. I feel like this was a daring greatly experience. And Renee Brown, <laughs> we love her. <laughs> so I admire you for sharing so openly and honestly what this has been like for you. I, I um, hope our listeners uh, gained a lot from this discussion and uh, will reach out to you um, with support and love, which is everything that that you deserve as you go, as you continue onward. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and and when. When making that decision, like, do I want to share something personal? I think 
ultimately the question was, um, could I help someone who's also adopting feel less alone? Or could I help educate others about how to support someone they love Mm -hmm. who's going through the adoption process? So if, you know, being vulnerable and crying on the podcast (laughs) was uh, helpful for just one person, um, it was worth it. So thank you for listening in. Thank you for being a part of this. You know I'm going to say it because I say it every time, but please rate and review us and subscribe if you enjoyed this show. And please, especially this episode, because it's so specific and it's about adoption, if you know someone who needs to hear it, please share this episode with them. If you want to connect with us, you can visit our website, slphappyhour.com, or find us on social media as SLP Happy Hour. Also, we have a Facebook group called SLP Happy Hour Crew, and we'd love to have you there. Um, In that space, we talk about work, life, and happiness in this profession. We hope you enjoyed the show and that this was a little slice of an SLP happy hour for you. We've enjoyed recording it. Thank you for listening. Until next time. include 20 cause and effect toys that you can use for toddlers with ESD. ESD? <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, that's the educational service district <laughs> yeah. that uh, we, we have here in Oregon. Time. So this is a blooper. <laughs> <clears throat>